Friends, welcome back to Operation Opera. Today, Elise and I had a chance to chat with dear friend and awesome fine artist Jackie Leishman about art and showing up. Enjoy. What did we perform? What was it? You just saying? I think it was a casual thing. You sang. I think you sang "Cuando Me Vo." I think, and <laughs> I think was Paris there too, and her yeah. sisters. And they performed yeah. some stuff, which was freaking nice. awesome too. Like, I couldn't we, even help my hold it together. It was so good. It was so cool, right? I, I love that. I love. We need I, to do that again. Yeah, there there are a few things that I love more than artists getting together and just creating work together, whether it's music or visually, whatever. Just like people coming together and and doing something. Like, I love that. Because it's like, here's my heart, here's my soul. Yeah. yeah, I like that too. I think it's harder in the visual arts to do that, to create True. something. You kind of need a space. Because <laughs> it takes time, like it takes months, right, sometimes. But I love that. Like, that's, I think that's what I love about music and poetry, kind of these performative things because they feel immediate, even if it took months to prepare, right? The performance right. is immediate, interactive thing that every time you do it is different, right? right. And get those kind of magical moments kind of within it. And um, so I, I really love that. I mean, it affects my art that I make, right? So like all of it, it it's all connected, but- um, yeah, I think no, that's maybe one of the reasons why I love performing in galleries. Mm. Because you have, you have the product of the artistic process surrounding you and then you're, giving another product of an artistic process in that moment, you know? And so it's just kind of this wash of artistic experience. And yeah. And I think it also gives opportunity to actually um, consume visual art in a more kind of paced way. It's very easy, I think, for someone like me who is less educated. You know, I walk in front of a piece and I'm like, yeah, I like that one. And then I keep walking, you know, <laughs> like, versus, you know, versus a person who spent months of their life, like painstakingly deciding, do I want this to go this way or that way or whatever, you know, and having verbiage that I don't even know where to begin to describe it, you know? So, yeah, it's nice. But to I have. think going back to that empath thing, like yeah. I feel the same way about music. I, I have no idea. I have no vocabulary to describe it. And yet... Like, I understand exactly what's going on, right? Like, I went to this performance. Um, it was at the San Francisco Symphony. And um, they were doing this piece. And I kept thinking, like, why do I keep thinking this is about someone who can't sleep at night? It sounded so strange, right? Like, that it's like that's all I was thinking about. And, like, kind of that restlessness and, like, this, like, you know, all of these things. And then um, afterwards, we met my friend was friends with the pianist who was famous and amazing and I was like what I was telling about this you know in my like limited language about music and he's like oh the name of the piece is uh you know what like where you can't sleep at night what is that called it's just insomnia escaped. yeah insomnia he's like that's what it was about and I was like, just like I know all about it 
Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, but you know, it was like, oh, like it was touching me and affecting me like physically, right? And then like, that's actually what it was about. And I think, you know, all the arts do that. Even if we don't have the education or whatever, we can get more from it in some ways. But I also think sometimes being a newbie to it, right? Like not quite having all like, knowing all the magic that goes in behind, like keeps it even more magical. It keeps it even more so is if you just allow yourself to feel, you know, you have to allow yourself to, you know, be taken into wherever they're trying to take you. Completely agree. If you hear any banging, it is because um, that is happening here. There's people, um, <laughs> we're, we have electricians here today. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, are they little people? <laughs> or no, they're, sorry, oh, not sorry. little people. Your people who are small. There are, oh no, no, they're not my, my small humans, no. My, hopefully Ethan will have his, continue to have his nap, but no, the electricians here putting in some sockets and lights and stuff for us because in old homes, you know, they don't, just don't have as many because all you used to have was a nightstand lamp. Tell me about it. it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes we're having, thing. we're having some $3,000 plus yes. repairs. Oh, oh girl, it just, just begins. Month. This is the beginning. But anyway, that, neither here nor there. So. Yes. yes. Um, I, I want to talk about, okay. So yeah, Jackie, what you were saying about, about the importance of having people that are, you know, not maybe well-versed mm -hmm. in the art form consume it is essential, right? Because without that, it, it won't be new. Does that make Which, sense? Yeah. I mean, but it's like, but something has to happen so that there has to be something, and maybe it's that we need to teach people to be more sensitive, right? Because, uh, you know, the education kind of comes after you're like, wow, I'm really interested in that. And um, I want more of that or, you know, and that has value to me. But I think partly for it to touch you in the first place and different things touch pe different people, but you have to be sensitive in some way to feeling in a way that is nonverbal, I think. Um, and that's just kind of my own personal take on it. But I, I think that's, you know, like when somebody who ha like, who like is never danced or whatever, and they watch a dance performance and they're like, ah, like what is that, you know, but like someone sitting next to them is like, eh, whatever, you know? I mean, you just, I, but I think all of it is valid and um, we have to try really hard to keep space for the arts in all of the different ways that art forms are because they're an outlet. And I also think that they show the, um, the health of a culture and of a people, right? If they value it or if they don't. So- um, Yeah, that's what culture is, right? Yeah. I couldn't agree with this more. There's a lot of wisdom here. I'm feeling lazy. Like I just want to listen to you talk right now, but I do want to just say, I love that you brought this point up so early in our conversation um, because it seems like when people do get educated, then they sometimes become snobby as well. And that snobbery is a protection from being open. And so that's maybe why the new people who, you know, are approaching it in a more childlike way um, you know, if they can be open to it, then there is a greater appreciation and a greater connection that can happen than, you know, someone who 
is really well versed, but they also kind of use that to be to be snobbish. So when Rachel and I started the Transparent Singer, it was all about um, dispensing with the pretense because opera, as I'm sure you know, is full of snobs. And so like all of this that you're saying is completely in line with our mission. So love it. Well, it's really interesting because I mean, I'm definitely, um, I've seen really great opera and I've seen opera that I'm like, you know, and everyone's like, that was amazing, but it didn't affect me. Right. But I, I keep thinking about um, outsiders, right. People who aren't educated in a field, how they don't think within those limits. Right. So, um, and how they can also sometimes be disruptors in a good way. And I was thinking about um, like in musical theater, where like, I actually am not a huge fan of like old school musicals, but I love the more contemporary ones, right? Like I think Rent is fantastic, which is kind of just a redoing of La Boheme or, you know, whatever, but it's really interesting. And like this huge thing about Hamilton, I also think is very interesting. Um, You know, and I was listening to Lin-Manuel Miranda talk about that. And he was like, I was tired of only gonna be able to be cast in the West Side Story as a gang member, right? Because, you know, and I just, and he, so he had to write his own story. That's he right. had to write his own stories to perform in. And, you know, and he brought in music that's not traditionally thought of in musical theater, right? And same, like, same goes for Rent. And um, like the guy who wrote that, I saw an amazing documentary about him who, he died before it was even performed. But, you know, the people's stories that he wanted to talk about were the people like, you know, people that were on the like outsides, right? Not only were they kind of bohemian, but they were gay or trans or, you know, all these different sick, you know, they had HIV, whatever. And he wanted them to have a space and that became a really popular thing. And I just, I think it's okay to sometimes not be fully educated, right? Cause we don't want to be snobbish, right? Cause it's so easy to fall into that and stay really open to allowing things to change. Um, like to hold like the good parts and allow some things to kind of be built on that. Um, I mean, I see that in art as well in the visual arts and um, you know, I even sometimes walk really like by like masterpieces and I'm just like at that moment in time, I just don't have the headspace to really think about it. And then I'll go to another piece and spend three hours with it. You know, it's just, um, you know, and then maybe months later, I go back to the one that I just like walked by and was like, I'm not interested in that today. But like, I think to have enough like sense of myself to feel like I'm not dismissive of that one that I walked by. I'm just not ready to think about that one right now. My headspace is in somewhere is somewhere else. And I want to think about this other problem that I'm, you know, thinking about. And I think um, there's room for that. Right. And um and I, hopefully it doesn't make me snobby um, because, but you know, sometimes I do walk by something and say, it's just not good, you know, <laughs> yeah. like it's not done well or whatever. And I see, like, I understand where it fits within the whole genre of art history and what it did and whatever. But like, when you really step back from it, like if nobody, if somebody wasn't standing there talking about that, it would not have value. Right. So like as a piece that's made, right, as crafted. And I think it's okay to say that and say, it doesn't speak to me. I don't think it's well crafted. I see where it fits within the genre and its importance. 
and I don't really want to think about it that much anymore. And I think that's okay too, right? <laughs> to give ourselves that space. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. In fact, it makes me want to bring up something I've brought up in previous podcasts. Rachel's heard me talk about this movie, Exit Through the Gift Shop. Have you seen that, Jackie? No. Oh, what? Okay. Well, I'm maybe you need to see it before we can talk about it. But well, yeah, write it down. So <clears throat> well, I don't want to give up. The way title kind of, you know, gives it away a little bit. No, I think I've heard of it. <laughs> I can't understand what it's about. Like <laughs> it, commercialism. Well, Right? Yeah, the reason I bring it up, yeah, is because of what you said about the only reason why something has value is because someone is standing there talking about it. I was just going to say, um, like, how do, how do we, as a, as a mostly uneducated, because you think about it, we specialize in what we do, but we're, we're mostly uneducated, like things like electrical. I'm hoping to learn more about it this month, actually. But like right now, I know basically nothing about electrical. I've already learned, actually, more than I knew in my whole life, just in the okay. last month trying to like diagnose what's going on and figure out how to get it fixed. But, um, <clears throat> but how do we, as an, as a mostly uneducated public, um, come to value things like art, you know, art in all of its forms. And I think that there is this sort of hype that can surround certain pieces of art or, or certain artists that will convince a majority of people that it's awesome when really maybe it's not. So that's kind of, that's why I want to leave the, I want to leave the movie. I want you to see it because I don't want to give anything away about it, but I would love to um, talk with you about it after you've seen it. Um, and yeah, and please let's talk about this question of like, you know, do we, do we value something like for me and I'm going to become unpopular. And when I say this, I do not connect with Hamilton. And it's possible that if I saw it in person, I would more. But I just, I had a very sweet friend who was like, hey, take my Disney Plus login. Oh, now Disney's gonna be after me. Um, anyway, and, and watch <laughs> Hamilton. So I, went, so I went in and I watched it and it, just kind of on a small screen. It wasn't the full experience, I know it wasn't, but I just thought to myself, Ah, uh, because I, I did I did actually apply for the lottery many times when I was in New York. So I was like, you know, if I can get a ticket, I'll go watch it. Um, but I don't know. And there's just so much hype around Hamilton, right? And it's like people have the score memorized from start to finish and they're obsessed with it. And I'm just like, why? Why? I just I just don't understand. Anyway, discuss. Well, again, it's it doesn't speak to you, and that's okay. But I mean, I think you can say like, but if you still think that it has value, right? Is it adding value to like the arts community? Like you can say, I think it's adding value. I don't get it. I don't understand why it's so big. Like it's not speaking to me, but like, yeah, they should make like, good for them, right? Like there is something good. Cause I have to tell you, I couldn't breathe when I watched it. I was so taken. I mean, their lighting person and their choreographer, the way they moved those bodies around the stage, I was, there was so much to it that I just thought was so incredible. Um, music aside, like, uh, and certain of those actors and singers, like, I, like anytime they came on, I just was like, everyone else melted away. They were so riveting as performers to me. Um, so, but you know what? but it doesn't have to speak to you, right? There's, you know, so I just, I think that's okay. But yeah, no, I, like I was, and it, it was so funny because when everybody talks about it, like I talk about the lighting 
and the way that they're using spatial relationships on the stage. Like that's what really spoke to me. Sure. Absolutely. You know? As a visual, as a visual yeah. creator, that's, yeah. that is going to be the thing that mostly I would imagine initially, especially will speak to you. Right. Yeah. So it's just kind of funny because they're like, what, what are you talking? What? I was like, didn't you see the way that, and they're like, but they're just caught up in other parts. Right. So, um, but no, I don't think anyone's going to hate you. And I don't know if Disney's going to come after you or not. They, might. <laughs> <laughs> they want your, they're definitely listening to our podcast. So <laughs> we're Everyone's huge. listening to our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I feel like um, that's what, really that's when it becomes art for me uh it's when when a conversation starts mm. when the person says yes or no or when two people can say i like it and someone can say i don't you know if if there were consensus across the board to me then that what's the purpose of it it's propaganda or something maybe i don't know or it's but, just because so established. I mean, like, think about Van Gogh. I don't think there's many people now that are like, yeah, that guy sucked. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. he doesn't really know how to paint. He was just kind of a schlep. Slapping I mean, you know, it on there. Look at it. When you get up close, you can't even tell what it is. Right? Like, I don't think anybody's saying that now, but they definitely didn't value it at the time. Right. So what's right. that about? You know, well, I mean, I just, and... And on, you know, on the musical side of that, like Beethoven was very much that way. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, he, he worked a lot, but he also, his, especially his later works, you know, people were just kind of like, I don't know what's going on with that guy, you know? Anywho, art. Yes, Jackie, what you said, that that's what creates, um, what did you say? Repeat what you said. Oh, about like art is <laughs> always in the midst of the chaos. Yeah, it always happens in the midst of chaos, always. I, and you know, it's been interesting because it took me a while to realize this about my own art making, but um, I, I don't like when it's too pretty. Like my art is best when I really screwed it up. Like I really think like almost to the point of like, I don't think this can come back. Like what happened? Did I really forget everything I know about art making? Like am I that horrible at this? Mm. Like, and then, um, and the, I mean, especially collage lends itself to this because it's all about layering anyway. So there's, you know, that's why I keep everything and then it ends up ripped up and in something else. But um, I like seeing the remnants of those mistakes. I don't ever fully cover them up. They're always peeking out underneath other layers. And the energy of what I once thought was a good idea, because it's not like I make something and think, oh, I know this is bad but I'll cover it up later. I actually believe in every move I make is the right one. And, um, and then I, you know, come back the next day and was like, whoa, that is horrible. You know, You're like, I made that at 11 PM, you know, yeah, like, like, was, <laughs> where was I? I, I? Somebody else overtook my body. Anyways. Um, <laughs> but like the covering it up and the like allowing it to be um, and let it peek out. And like, I think that like, for me, I, I love working against something. Like I love coming up against a wall and being like, I have no idea how to push through this. I really screwed it up. Um, and, and like that the beauty of that resolution, like still showing that that original fault existed to create that beauty 
for me is amazing. And um, it's the way I feel about a lot. Like, I mean, there's no, like, it's no wonder I'm using landscapes to kind of express these ideas because I love the cracks in landscapes. I love the remnants that it once was something else and now it's being changed. I love seeing all of that. And I think about it and, you know, I love like laugh lines and wrinkled eyes on people. And you know what I mean? All of these things showing like life was lived there, right? Like something really, you know, whether like the beauty, the terror, right? Like all of it was there and I, I love that. And if it can play out in a piece of art visually, like all the better. Um, like those are my favorite pieces of art. I'm not just talking about my own, but like, you know, there's this artist, Richard Diebenkorn, he's one of my favorites, but he shows the remnants too. Like he'll do a line and then he like paints over it, but you can see it still, right? It's like faint. And you can see like, he's really trying to get at something and he's not afraid to show you that he is. And I think, good for you, you know? Like he's, um, I love that stuff. And so, you know, I'm just realizing about it in my own work, like, do I purpose, like, am I unconsciously like making bad choices so that later I have something to go up against? I mean, I'm not doing it on purpose, like consciously, but like, is part of me doing that? And maybe it is. And so what, right? Like that's part I, of Well, it. yeah, because I feel like showing your process as part of the product allows others to sort of come into something, I think, you know, as a, as a beginner, like as someone, because it's like, okay, well, here's potentially, here's something that, you know, that isn't completely finished, that isn't completely perfect. Mm -hmm. Like it shows, it shows that it came from somewhere and that it's in the process of going somewhere, or maybe it's, it has arrived, but that you get a whole journey. Um, and I think that there is something kind of liberating about that you know as as a consumer as a consumer of art <laughs> like, like speaking of like art coming out of all kinds of craziness and tragedy yeah. and like difficulty like I'm I'm inspired by this idea especially right now because this world is in such turmoil like everyone's on fire there's locusts there's earthquakes there's you know it's Famines, we got everything right now. There's a land hurricane. Yeah. Wow. Um, but the, can I say I just have been having so many thoughts that I wanna I wanna say. Can I say some things about what Jackie brought up and then what you added to? So um so Jackie, you said you like to be up against uh I can't remember what you said, uh, opposition of wall. some kind. Up against a wall. Right, like like I kind of screw something up so I have something to come up against. Yeah. So I, I saw a TED talk, like, I don't know, it's probably two or three years ago at least now, but it was a very interesting um, presentation about, a, a guy was talking, I, I should look it up and, and find out the title because it was a cool enough thing that I, like as a concept that I think I want to be able to refer to it a little bit more clearly than I currently can. But um, it was a performance, it was a concert that was supposed to take place and it was like so many things were going wrong. And I don't remember if the piano was out of tune or if there ended up not being a piano or there was something, 
there were just a bunch of the pieces challenges that to fall into place. Real, yeah, that real didn't. challenges for music. And it ended up, yeah, and it ended up being this artist's like best performance ever because in that situation he was forced to really just become adaptable and you know instead of sort of coloring within the lines, if you will, he had to just think outside of the box completely. And that was an opportunity for him to sort of stretch his creative, outstretch his wings of creativity more than he normally would have. And um, <clears throat> this question of, of something being perfect, we see this all the time. And Rachel's and my friend, Stephen P. Brown talks about using perfectionism as a, a a way to avoid meaning um, and it's kind of it goes back to what we we're talking about at the beginning about snobbery and sort of a, a way to avoid vulnerability by just like knowing a lot and you know um, but uh, I, I belong to a community now I'm creating an online course um, which is a, a bunch of stuff that I've never done before but it's it's really cool and I'm excited about it but one of the th one of the mottos that they have is massive imperfect action and so it's like don't wait until inspiration strikes until you f you know you really feel it you can move forward like just keep doing stuff like it doesn't have to be perfect just keep doing it like keep you know and i and i found that really beautiful because i think it's easy for artists to get stuck because they feel like what they have or what they are in that moment is not enough. Um, but it's when we're up against the wall and when there isn't, you know, the pieces don't fall into place, that's when we get to really show what we're made of. So I think I love that, that point that you made. I think there's so much truth in that and it takes away the excuses too. I saw just yesterday on Facebook, one of my colleagues was right, was like, how do you, how do you stay in shape and motivate yourself to sing when there's, when there are performances happening and, you know, like I, and someone wrote, like, I just put a reminder in my phone and it goes off every day to do Same. it. And I do it whether I feel like it or not. And I was like, I do that too. <laughs> I was like, I do that too. But it's like, I think that's not what you think about with art, right? It's supposed to be like inspirational and you're like, oh. I don't actually know any artists that wait for inspiration actually no artists that are actually successful. Let me say that. Like if you're a successful creative and let me just say creative, cause I think like that is a little bit more broad for people. The inspiration strikes while you're already working. Like there, you already have to be in motion for things to happen for you. And I think perfectionism is a crutch. People use it to you know, hide the fact that maybe, you know, something else like, oh, well, if it can't be perfect, I'm not going to make it. And in the meantime, somebody that's not scared of screwing up just became and made really great stuff. And I think about like Cezanne, he did start out as a very good artist, actually, um, not very good at all. <laughs> and the guy was like, what? I'm going to, I like making this work. Like I have something I want to do. And it wasn't until like later in his, you know, career, right? where everybody thought like it was kind of a joke and then he wasn't. Um, he's the father of modern art. Like his, and it's just like, how did that happen? Right? Like he could have given up a long time ago because his work actually wasn't that great or whatever. But in the meantime, while it wasn't that great, he was inventing a new way of seeing. 
right? A whole new way of creating. And um, good for him for not giving up, right? For not being like, well, I already, I don't draw very well. So maybe I just shouldn't be an artist. Like we wouldn't have like this, all of what we have now. I mean, he was, he's the inspiration for most people that ended up, you know, doing amazing things. And so I just like when people are like, well, I just don't know, or, you know, like I don't have, you know, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, okay, then be, be okay with it being a hobby for you, which there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, there's nothing wrong with your art making and your creativeness being a hobby. But if it's like, if you're committed, you show up all the time. Even if that doesn't mean like you're like literally, like even if I'm not in my studio, I'm like looking at art books or I like go to the museum or like, right? Like I'm filling yeah. my well, right? Like it's still happening. Um, even if I'm not physically in the studio, although I try to get in there because it, there is something about handling my materials. But, um, you know, I just think like, I think most of the people I went to grad school with, I might be the only one that's still practicing, you know? And I find that to be really strange considering I might be the only one that has children. So, um, you know, you got I, every reason in the world to just be like, you know what, peace out. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Right? Like it's, it's too hard, you know, which it was hard when they're little. It was, it was very hard, but like, um, and people thought like I was making scrapbooks or whatever. Like, oh, oh how cool that you're a scrapbooker. I'm like, I'm you're like, I have no words for you. <laughs> <laughs> or I have too many words for you. So I'm too going many to words. Away. Yeah, I'm just over here making my scrapbooks. Don't mind me. Um, but I just think like, <laughs> you know, some of these, I picked them up at the craft store. I thought you would like them. Oh, thanks. Right. I know people with their paper. They Do think you have stickers? Yeah. 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 <laughs> all the time yeah like if Parts. it can be glittery I yes. would no better um for the padded ones that are like three-dimensional <laughs> which oh they're gosh. great um they are yeah my first day of grad school the the head of the school stood up and was like you know if there's anything else that you think you could do and be good do at that. go do that because yeah. this is going to be too hard not that like making art is that hard, although it is hard. Like, let's not, like, if you want to be very good, it takes a lot of work. But I think it takes, like, you have to be okay with rejection, right? Which I think that's hard for a lot of people. Um, you have to really believe that what you're making matters. And not that necessarily is going to change the world, but maybe change your world, right? And that that matters to you. And, I think that that's a very, very healthy place to be yeah. like you know, I think we have come from a generation you know like us and a little bit younger where there was this idea that you can do anything blah 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 blah, and like that set up this idea that like therefore I am meant to be great and it's like yes you may be in whatever but in whatever sphere of, of influence you are deemed to be in mm -hmm. like whatever that is wherever that is like do the best that you can and be the best that you are wherever you are and sure, maybe it'll be huge. Maybe it will, but maybe it won't. And that there, there needs to be, um, you know, what makes that like satisfactory? Like, how do you find joy in that? I don't that, know. Yeah. And I right? think that's hard for people. I think that's a really hard part of the creative process. Right. 
you know, like with Elisa saying like, well, why is she doing her exercises and her singing? And, you know, she might not be able to perform for a while. Like the whole like, you know, performing in front of people, like that's dead for at least another year, right? Like everyone's just pretty much like, they're all looking at 2022 now, right? For like live events. Um, But you do it because it matters to you. Yeah. I know I get up, I get up and I practice and I keep having lessons. And my teacher said to me the other day, she's like, Rachel, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Except, except, you know, with an actual Russian accent. And, and she says, you, you show up, you know, like I showed up and like, (laughs) like I'm in my robe, like I am exhausted, whatever, Mm -hmm. but I show up and I show up because the art matters to me you know, both as a person and as an individual, but also I want to create something that's beautiful that is outside of myself, Um, you know, but something that I can contribute to. So it's so interesting. And I I hate to cut you off because I feel like you were in the middle of a thought, Jackie. No, no, I'm listening to you. Okay, okay. But the thing that has come up for me that I kind of wanted to touch on and see what you guys think about this. But in the past six months or so, I've seen so many comments from friends on social media who are, you know, active performers working at some of the highest levels being like, what do I do? And I'm like, welcome to my life. <laughs> like, like, welcome, you know, many people are not given the op- those opportunities or they just haven't for whatever reason. And does it mean they're not as talented? Like, but um, maybe in some situations, but a lot of the times that's, that, that, that isn't it. It's like you said, like, have you just shown up and do you keep going? Um, opportunity, choices, all of those things. But like, it's this idea that how do you, you know, how do you keep going when the world is telling you, sorry, we're shut down for a while. And, you know, and it's, people are like, I've never felt this way before I've never not been working and I'm just like oh my gosh you guys like I've been dealing with this for like ever (laughs) like and what do you do with that you know uh the the thought that came to my mind was um you know that book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Mm -hmm. Eat Great Love we have talked about this but this is something I wanted to talk about with you so I'm really glad you brought it up so in the book, and I'm probably going to slaughter her words because she's a writer, but um, she talked about the question that like really bothered her was, you know, everybody says like, what would you do if you weren't, you know, if, you know, you weren't afraid to fail, right? Like that's the question that always gets asked. And she's like, I think the better question, especially in terms of creativity is what are you willing to keep doing even if you do fail? That's what we're in the middle of. Like the whole like performing right now, that's done. Like it's not going to happen. Like So are you going to keep working at it, even though like it's a failed system right now, right? It will come back because we all like, there's those of us that like love the performing arts, right? Like, and we want to keep seeing it, but right now it's, it's failed. Or if it hasn't happened for you where you get to perform or nobody likes your art or whatever it may be, like, um, what are you willing to do knowing you're going to fail? will you keep showing up? And I think that's a really, really interesting question. And I'm like, well, I'd be doing what I'm doing. 
I like doing this. Like I get satisfaction. I'm getting better at it. Um, you know, even when there's days when I feel like I've screwed everything up, I just know it's part of the process now. Like I'll come back and I'll have the answer on how to fix that in a week, a month, six months, whatever. Um, but I think that's the better question because sure. Yeah. What would you like? Let's, let's ask the questions that are actually what people are dealing with as creatives. Failure and rejection are a part of the game. Maybe possibly for your whole life. Doesn't and you know it doesn't necessarily mean that you actually weren't gifted, right? That, right. That's so, that's the hard part. Yeah. So the question, the question I have is, where does that validation come from? Because I think that is really common for people to look for external validation, and that's the reason why they keep going with their art. But when that external validation isn't there, where does it come from? Is it just like my mom yourself. told me I was awesome all growing up and so I know I am. Yeah, no, it comes from yourself. So this was, this is again, like my mentor who was the head of my graduate program. Um, he sat us all down as we were about to leave graduate school. And he said, how do you know when you're no longer an art student? When do you become an artist? And I thought that like at, at the face of it, it's like, when you're not in school anymore, I, I, I don't know. And, <laughs> like, uh, when? I don't know. When and, I don't have to pay like, you? I right. don't know. <laughs> well, that it gets to it because he said, you become an artist when you no longer have to ask anybody if what you're doing is good enough. Right? Like, I know when it's good enough. I know when it has value. I know when my work is crap, right? Like, I know when I can't. I know it. Oh, boy. Yes, I know. Right? You know <laughs> yes. that. You know, and I don't look to other people to tell me when it's good or not. Like, I know that now. Like, I have enough experience and I know enough about art. Do I know everything? No. But I know enough about my own work to know if it has value or not. Um, and I think that takes time. So you have to be willing to be in this for long enough so that the validation comes from yourself. Yeah. It's interesting because that's, I think that's kind of the trend we're, we're on right now with, um, I mean, honestly, since 2008, when so many opera companies closed their doors with the recession, um, but, but even more so now um, is sort of, you know, when you're not going to auditions and someone's hiring you, which is like our little stamp of approval, we, we think you're good enough to come and sing for our company. Here's your little Wemmick star. Right, exactly. You know, you know that and when, book. Yeah. Right, yes. Go on. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, then without that, because it's just not happening right now, and who knows, you know, how many more companies will close. And it just, it just has been evolving over the past couple of decades. Um, you know, yeah. What... The question I was asking at one of my students yesterday was like, what is your why? She said to me, she's a freshman now in college. And she said, should, should I sing opera? Um, Cause her roommate sings opera. And she's like, you know, is that something I should do? And I'm like, well. <laughs> if you have to ask that question, the answer is no. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what sorry. I said to her. I was like, I'm sorry. Like, when did you know? When did if, you know if the opera? answer could be no, then just have it be no. <laughs> right, exactly. Just like Jackie you know, was saying like... with her professor. Yeah, absolutely. And she said, when did you know that opera was for you? And I was like, I was five. 
Like, I don't remember the moment people tell me about it because I I don't have memories from when I was like, maybe I have like one memory and it's not that, but um, I said, you know, if it's, if it doesn't call to you, then do the, do something else. Um, And, you know, once you figure out like, why, why is it that I want to perform or why is it that I want to create? What am I doing it for? You know, and, and for me, you know, I think I came to a realization you know, in the last four or five years that a lot of doing opera for me was about proving myself because I was like, I'm going to take the most challenging art form and I'm going to make people like me because I'm good at it. And they're going to all be impressed by me. And that's going to make me feel really, um, you know, accepted. Like I belong in this world and validated, right? Essentially. Mm -hmm. And so now without that infrastructure that we're used to, I mean, Rachel, how long have we been doing auditions? And now it's just like pfft, crickets, like no auditions, it's not happening, but like decades of auditions. And um, and now when there's no one to hire you, yeah, how do you continue on? Why do you continue on? I mean, why is the big question? Like maybe you could talk about your why, Jackie. I'd love to hear your why. Hmm. Why do you do well, what you do? First of all, I find this really fascinating because I can store my art in a like a flat file and just have it keep going but there seems to be something about the performing arts like well you have an interaction with somebody like and also you sing with other people right to perform like the whole thing right it's usually not just you up there the whole time from what i remember of opera like the few times i've seen it it's amazing but it's it's collaborative so that makes it harder so I think the answer for you guys is you love singing it. Um, But I have no idea how you keep going if there's no way to ever perform. Like, I don't know. That's your own why, right? Like, I can't figure that out. Like, that's something within yourself that, like, um, is really fascinating Um, for me. Like, it's like, well, what if no one ever likes it and I never get to show it? Um, Okay. I don't know, like I'm out here making this, like this is my own little private world that I get to make and I get to work through ideas. Um, You know, I'm not always the most articulate of people in the sense of like being able to really express what's going on within myself, right? Like I don't think in words, I think in visuals and I actually think in feelings. So a lot of my, um, my work are reflections on how I felt at a time. And I don't even have the words for that, but I know, but I've got like a photographic memory for how it felt. And so I work until something can kind of come together and it can feel like an equivalent to that thing. Um, And it's good for like, I find it to be a fascinating process. You know, like for me, there's endless amounts of room for me to grow as a person in intelligence, in craft, you know, in all kinds of ways by doing this work, Um, you know, and hopefully at some point somebody will think that there's, that it's valuable, right? That they want to live with that because it does feel good for my work to leave the studio. I'm not gonna like, I don't wanna seem like I don't care about other people and how they think about it because it does feel good for this it to leave and to go live in someone else's well, wall. Well, because it's right? it's a community yeah. thing, right? You are yeah. building community as your work goes out into the world because a piece of you is with them. Right, and you know, like really good art has its own life. It lives without the artist, right? And it has its own energy. And I want someone to enjoy that, right? Um, 
but I can't control other people. I can't control that. Those things are out of my control, whether people like the work, they want to live with work, they want to buy it. All I can do is do my best and try to show the world what it was, like what it is and offer it in my meager, you know, humble way. Um, and that's it. But I'm going to keep doing this, right? Like people are like, what, like, what's your ideal life? And I'm like, this is it. Like, are you kidding? Like, I get, to, you know, maybe I'd like to have a bigger studio and hopefully that will get built. It's going to happen. But this is, this is what I'm going to be doing till I die. Like, this is my dream. This is my dream. I'm living it. I get to raise my kids and make art. Like, you know, maybe I, like, what else? What else is there, really? And um, I feel really lucky to feel that way. Like, I'm already in it. I'm already in the good stuff, right? So um, I feel really lucky to have, like, my patron, right, that pays our bills is my husband, right? Like, you know, I pay for some things, right? Like my art makes some money, but like we don't depend on my art. And, um, you know, before I never thought I was going to get married. I never thought I was going to have kids. I thought I was going to be an artist, kind of poor, you know, living that life. And um, I was completely okay with that. And, um, and I realized I never wanted to rely on my art to make me money. I think it corrupts it. Right, so if I was needing to be my own patron, I would have, right? I could have gotten a job. I have a degree in international finance. Like I can support myself doing other things. Like, um, but the art needed to stay pure. And um, mm. so now my patron is my husband, right? Like he's providing our life. And so my art can still stay how it is. And um, because he has a good enough job, like we can afford to have children, right? And I can still be an artist, like, and be a mother. Like, I just feel really lucky in that. I know a lot of times it's looked down on women to choose that path. Um, but I see it as the greatest of gifts. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I refuse that narrative that I'm less worthy, I'm not as committed whatever, whatever, about that whole line of thinking, like that's not mine and I won't take it in. And so instead I'm looking at everything I've been given as a gift. And- um, I love that. Yeah. So, I love that. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like um, that's a narrative that I find that I'm fighting against at times. And I wonder sometimes if it's just my own projection, you know, or if it's, or if it's anything else, you know, but like my baby is now, nine months old and I've just weaned him. Praise the Lord. Sorry. I mean, you know, <laughs> milk machine, two to three hours, every two to three hours oh, a month. And yeah. I was, I was just going crazy. My hair was falling out. Like I was going crazy. I was like, where are my eyelashes? They're gone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Elisa, coming attractions. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank no, you no, you're, it's going to be a total. I didn't lose. I didn't lose any of my hair, by the way. There so. you go. So you didn't lose any hair. Like, Might not oh. lose your. Hair. Yeah, you probably won't lose your. Hair. I actually <laughs> didn't really lose my hair, but it sounded really funny. So I said it. Um, <laughs> but um, when, <laughs> but the whole narrative that I often sort of feel from people, people never say it but I feel it from people that when they know that I have children um, and I'm coming to do an audition or I, you know, am, am trying to establish myself in a place, 
when they know that I'm a wife and a mother, there is this sense of, oh, she's, that's, that's what she's doing. This is, you know, more of a hobby kind of thing or whatever, or, or do you teach? And the thing is like, I do need to teach, but I, but that's not the only thing that I do. Like I am like deep in my core, a performer, like I perform, I'm performing right now. Like there, you know, like I'm an expressive person and that's a part of me that has to be shared. Uh, because if it's not, I am not being authentic. I'm not being honest. And I feel like very often there is this sense of, um, you know, well, if, if you would like to be a part of this thing, like here in New Zealand, people have said like, oh, you could come join this choir or you could come do, you know, this, find this community. And I'm like, you don't, you don't see me. Like that's, yeah, that's I don't want to be in your choir. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't make scrapbooks. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with being in a choir. choir or making scrapbooks. <laughs> right. It's just, it's just a different thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'll never forget when I performed my final show in Vienna before we moved. And I just hope that this doesn't become the narrative of my life of like, remember in the glory days when I was living abroad, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I, I remember performing the scene of, um, I, I was singing a piece from Die Valkyrie and it was this, you know, it's basically where I berate Wotan for being a terrible husband and, you know, whatever. And after I finished, um, my teacher came up to me and said, I had no idea you could do that. And I just was like, yeah, but I did. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that I can do that. I don't go proclaiming it from the rooftops and saying to everyone, did you know that I can do this thing? Did you know that, you know, it's, it, I, that isn't who I am. Like I will show up and I will do the work and there will be moments that are transcendent mm -hmm. and I need the space and the time to be able to do that. But so often it feels like the judgment is there where it's like, you know, you're not, you know, I, you know, I didn't know you could do that. Well, you never gave me the chance to show you that I could do that until this moment. And, and that is what's so tough and goes back to what you're saying about how you need a space and you need collaborators and you need, you know, you need as a performing artist, you need these things in order to be able to do that. So. But it also kind of reminds me of like what I've heard dancers talk about, like especially ballet dancers about the bar. Mm. Like you bring it back to the bar, right? That's where they do all their exercises right. and like the basics and the, you know, warm ups. The and warm up their, goes right? back to the, the warm up. Mm -hmm. And it's like they always go back there to recenter themselves. It seems like in the way that, like, if I'm understanding the way they talk about it correctly, I mean, I'm not a dancer, so. Um, but it seems the same way about performers, right? Like you're still doing your voice exercises. Like there is still some satisfaction in doing that like while like you know the intrinsic value yes. yeah there's value in that like it's centering to you um keeps your keeps your your you know your voice here which is your your tool right it keeps it in shape um 
but it has value to you. Like I loved when you said like your teacher's like, I didn't know you could do that. And you're like, I did. Like, again, it goes back to like, you have to believe in yourself. Like, why do you keep doing this? Right? Like Elisa, like, what's your why? Like, you just said like, that was very clear. Like what your why is like, I know this, like I, it's in me, it's who I am. It's a big part of it. Like if I cut that off, then like you would lose all the other good stuff too. I feel like we would shrivel up, you know, like we'd still be there and maybe you'd still be a good mom and you know, a good wife, but you wouldn't be your best self. You know, the world would be a little dimmer. And I feel like the more that we find that light within ourselves, whatever that is, that lights us up, right? Like for some people it's writing, for some people it's this, some people it's like gardening, whatever it may be. But the more that we light up ourselves, the more it gives permission for other people to do that too. And I think, you know, especially in this year when it's like the world is coming to an end, right? We're like, everything's upside down. I think we need more light, not less, right? Like we need to be more our best selves, like to put more of these gifts out into the world, not retreat into ourselves. Um, you know, so however we figure that out, but we can be creative. Like we can be problem solvers, right? Like we've been given a set of obstacles. Can we be creative to overcome them? I think we can. Um, you know, some are harder than others, but I think there are ways to get through it um, so that we can come out the other side and maybe the world is a bit better. I mean, partly I've been wondering like, is the world just burning down, right? Like socially, like social structures, like politically, like literally parts of the world are on fire, like whatever it may be. Um, you know, the way that I, the way that I make art and like the things that I like, you know, cause I'm also very much interested in science specifically, like, um, like the creation of stars and, you know, like celestial, you know, kind of things. Destruction is a necessary part of something else being born. Yeah. Essential. And I, it's essential. Like, it's just, it's just, you know, it's hard in the midst of it. Like, especially even if like parts of ourselves we feel like have to die, right? Like, I, I really wonder about that. Like, I feel like I've had to shed certain parts of myself and allow something else better, like, and more, just more to take its place. Um, not that it like, not that I'm like allowing, like, I'm not going to be an artist anymore. But like, my idea of myself as a photographer had to die off. You know, that's how I was originally trained. I loved being a photographer. I loved the dark room. Um, that was how I was an artist for years, for a very long time. And I was very good at it. Um, and then dark rooms died. Everything became digital. I started having children. I didn't want to work with those chemicals. Like it was just a crazy time. And I had to allow myself to say like, you may not be a photographer anymore. Now you're an artist. Like, instead of this very, like, limiting kind of view of myself, I chose the bigger view, mm -hmm. right? What can be born instead in that space where that no longer exists? And that was a hard time, you know, because I'm in the middle of it. I'm having kids, and I don't have as much physical time, right? I'm physically exhausted. Mentally, I'm not all there because I'm, you know, whatever, right? Like, somebody's attached to part of my body at all times. Um, and I was like, I'm not giving up. I will outlast everybody here. <laughs> like, <laughs> I will do this. You, you will. Know? 
I'm going to, I'm going to vouch for that. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, like, you know, and then, and, you know, as I came out the other side, like, I love the work I'm making now than what I used to make, you know, and it's, it's a lot more expansive in terms of how it's approaching art making. Um, but that had to die and I didn't want it to die. I really, really clung to it for a really long time. Um, and but that's just the way of things. And um, I'm grateful for that transition, uh, even though I wouldn't have chosen it. I didn't know. I didn't know it was on the other side. And I hope as a society, there's great things waiting for us on the other side. If we just say, we will not give in, right? Like we want goodness. We want good things. Like we want like better things. Um, then I hope that we can build that. Right, but it takes a lot of work and we have to be willing to keep showing up for that. Uh, yeah, I love- Can um, I- Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Rachel, because I oh, want to circle back to something Okay, else, you, you really, can. really fast. I just want to say, and to go with a visual of what you're describing too, Jackie, you know, one of the things that I think about a lot with the fires, especially the ones that are in California, when those fires come in the Santa Anas, that's when certain seeds actually grow. Mm -hmm they have to be burned in order to germinate, right? Yeah, but it's just not fun to be in the middle of, especially no, if you're- nobody wants to get burned. Right. Getting burned is, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> There's no question about it. But that's, that's when you will be able to begin to grow and blossom. Mm -hmm. Elisa, so what were you gonna say? Yeah, uh, so I wanted to go back to something you said earlier, Jackie, that I, I, um, I don't know how much time you have right now. I know we're kind of at the hour mark ish, but, um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about separating, making an income from making art because mm. you said it corrupts it. And, um, I have a husband who is trained in oil painting. He has an MFA and he, um, is quite blocked. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's perfectionism that might be part of it, but it's definitely the idea of making an income or supporting a family on his art. Like when he, when those two meet, he just like gets completely blocked. Um, so I would love for you to talk about, um, and actually just for my, for myself too, I want to I mean, I always tell people, you know, you go, you don't go into this field to be rich um, financially, but you do receive a lot of, of other wealth, right? A wealth of experiences. You and, need to make money. Like you've got to feed yourself. I mean, you, you do, right? you do. Yeah. So, but yeah, I would just love for you to talk about how needing to make an income from art corrupts the, the creative process or let me not put words in your mouth. So just if you would expound on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, first of all, there's always nuances in pretty much everything I say, like there's more, you know, so, but I think like, this is the way I think about it is for me, being a really good artist means I'm willing to take risks and failing. I don't know if I would be able to take as big of risks if, I knew that it had to sell because not everybody likes the risky stuff, right? What? You've been known for doing these Yosemite pieces and I, I liked this one, make more of those, right? Um, which is fine, right? 
but then you still like, let's say that even happens, right? Like, and that's how you're providing for your family is you're making these pieces of art that like everybody knows and they're safe, right? Um, carve out a space for you to still make something else where you can be risky, where that's your day job now. Guess what your day job just became? Making those safe pieces of art that you know you're gonna sell. And then you go back into the studio and maybe there's a corner or whatever where you make something for you. And where failure, like, it doesn't even like, so what? What if all of it's crap for a very long time, what you're doing in your own time? Because and you're still making that other stuff and you're, you're doing it, but I bet eventually the stuff that you're making for yourself is gonna be better than the other safe stuff that, that originally probably was, the, was risky at one time, right? And then everybody loved it and that became the safe work. Um, right, it makes me think of actually a story that my husband told me about Picasso, that yeah. he kind of came to a certain point in his career and he changed the way that he was painting entirely. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, the marketers or the gallerists or whatever were like, that's not what people want. People want a Picasso, right. you know, this doesn't look like, and, um, <laughs> and of course he, uh, you know, even at, at that time was doing well enough that it didn't matter. He didn't need to yeah. have the safe job anymore, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's interesting how the artist evolves, you know, and even someone as well known as Picasso, he didn't want, well, and we were talking about Beethoven earlier, that all evolved too. So there, there does need to be that allowance for for oh, the yeah. evolution of the artist. And uh, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm actually totally going to actually talk to my husband about this tonight because um, I feel like you have such peace with your art, um, the way that you have balanced out your life. And I think that there's so much power in that. I think that's wonderful. It's clear that you're satisfied with the way that things are going and I want that for him too. So I sure. very much appreciate it. And by the way, it's not always like peachy keen in here. Like I kind of pull my hair out and, you know, I'm like, why won't like, you know, there's always more that you want. Right. But like when I really step back, like this is it. Like if it never got better than this, right. I think that's what you have to think. If this is as far as we're going to go in terms of career, right. Like, yeah, I'll be disappointed about that. And I'll probably like cry about it or whatever. I'm going to keep coming in here. Yeah. Like, there's no way that like, I wouldn't just keep making because people don't want to buy my work. That's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, like I, I do think, um, I think as artists, we have to be, and I think this is, again, something that comes back to I, why, I mean, I'm trying to piece this together, why people look down on women who have children that are creatives. And I think it's because great art has always been, at least that we know of, right? Let's just say that we know of, um, has been done by people that are, take big risks. You know, their lives are usually a mess because they're willing to take risks, right? Um, and they, they, and most people don't think of women who have children as risk takers. Are you really gonna go there? Right. Are you gonna push that far? And I wanna say, <laughs> I absolutely am willing to go there, but not in all parts of my life. That's right. I can somehow divide that. I don't need to be an alcoholic and like ruin my life to make good work. Like I can come in the studio and now that I've been doing it so long, the world doesn't come with me anymore. And I can be as risky and as strange and as amazing as I wanna be. And then when I step back through the door, I can be the kind of mom that I wanna be to those kids. 
Is it always that perfect? No. Like, do I make mistakes as a mom? Yes. Am I always as risky as I want to be in the studio? No. It takes me months sometimes to build up the bravery I need to do the mark that I'm like thinking about, but it happens. And so I think that that's one of the reasons why they look down on like people that choose to have children. You're not going to be willing to go there. And I say, oh, they're going to go there. They absolutely will go there. Maybe not all of them, but definitely some of them will. Like if they're willing to have children and keep showing up every day, there's a part of them like that's flinging their finger at the institution in some big way that um, just allow them to do it. Don't, right? Like you're saying, like, don't cut off these people from the start because you have some judgment because they have kids and they're a wife. You don't know anything about them. You don't know any, like, so I just think, um, gosh, if that's one thing I could change about the world, like, it would be that. Like, I would really love for people to take, not just women, but men who choose to have children as well, a lot more seriously in terms of, of their creativity. Um, but I just, I do think it's different for women. But I mean, I think men too, like, I want that to change for them as well. Yeah, that, that you can you can do both. You just can't do all of it 100% all the time. And frankly, to do, I think it makes you a more dynamic person and a more dynamic artist when you also allow yourself to, you know, have a life outside of the art because it, it contributes to it. Well, one thing, I, I know we're running out of time, but something I was thinking about on my walk to this, like my run walk, but I was thinking about this, about this idea of risk takers and safety. And I, there was this workshop I went to with my mentor and it was a collage workshop, drawing all this, it was over three days. And so one of the things that he had us do was we had this huge piece of paper and we were supposed to envision like the most horrific, horrible thing that's ever happened to us or that we thought about or whatever and make art about it, okay? And it wasn't fun to make, and but we all did it. And then we left, so we had all morning, and then we went and had lunch, and then we came back, and we put up a new piece of paper, and he said, now I want you to think of things that make you really happy and that bring joy to you and make art about that. And it was hard. It was so hard. And, um, you know, we, after, like, at the end of the day, when we, like, look at everything and we're talking about it, everyone was talking about how hard it was to make that second piece. Um, because it's so easy to fall into cliche. Like, what do you do? Draw a rainbow? Like, what do you, like, what is it? Like puppies and rainbows and happy whatever. clouds, just right? happy clouds. <laughs> Sun rays coming down, like, I, you know, and it was just, and he said, I wanted you to guys to see, like so many people think that great art has to come from this hard place within you, right? You, you lean on kind of the, the drama and the horror and the hard things. And he said, it's because it's easy. It's easy to tap into those places. It's really hard to make great art about being happy or about something that's funny or, right? Like all these kind of like, you know, not horrific things. And right. I, it's the lack, right? Yes. The lack is and, uh, the subject. I think about that, especially in terms mm -hmm. of having a family, about how much harder it is to make work because like, I am happy. I've got a really good life. The work is about the tension between the things I feel in my life. 
Like, I don't want to make stuff about horrific things all the time, but I also don't want to shy away from it. But I also like, how do you, you know, I don't want to be cliche. And so it's this balance and it's hard to do. But one of the reasons why we don't see more art about those things is because it's harder, not because it's worth less. And I think that's, I don't think we have enough conversations about that. Um, you know, do we have the maturity? Do we have the skills to make something that really gets at somebody? And it's not about like, and it's truthful and honest and beautiful and not just about like, you're lying in the gutter, you know, with your heroin. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I think I wanna, I, I think about that a lot. And I think about the kind of work that I want to put out into the world. Do I, I want it to be honest and I want it to be truthful and it's hard, but beautiful and easy and funny and all of the things all at once. Um, I think that's where the good stuff is for me. Right. So um, I just, I was thinking about that when I was thinking about this conversation and some of the things that we've kind of touched upon um, it felt like there's something in there. That's awesome. Jackie, uh, I feel like we could just, we could go on and on and we should probably do a part two and yes, talk about we more should. of this After stuff. you watch Exit Through the Gift Shop, because I want to <laughs> talk about that more. Wait, but can I say something in response to what Jackie said about of sort of a parallel that I see in, in singing? Um, be, from what you just said about like, it's easier to do the hard stuff. Um, and maybe you can relate to this, Rachel, I don't know, but I feel like for me, um, I really always wanted there to be like blood, sweat and tears around like the way that I sing, like in opera, because it is so dramatic. Um, I wanted to sing in a way that was dramatic and I'm finally... <laughs> I'm finally learning how to be a little bit more consistent with my technique by taking out some of that drama and letting it be, uh, letting it come from a balanced place where it's enough as it is without having to sort of impose these. Can you relate to this, Rachel? You're starting to get a little smile on your face. So, but it was like for years. I mean, oh, how no. seriously, I've how always, many my, decades my have I been always going? been impeccable. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I mean, going to teachers for decades and just feeling like uh, it has to be, you know, in order for it to be real and for it to be human. And, you know, it just has to be this manifestation of struggle. And um, you have and, to choose those moments. And you right. have to use them consciously. It can't just be, oh, I'm feeling it. <laughs> like, you know, um, when it comes to singing, I think. Because, you know, you know, my voice teacher will say, one pipe, one voice, one line. Like the voice is one continuous line through one space. And all along the voice, it spins. It stops spinning when we add other things to it. Mm. Mm. Um, yep. And, you know, the, the drama, you have to be able to use articulation rather than like squeezing your cords. Like you have to make, you know, something a little bit more marcato 
maybe, you know, you just have to change the dynamic of what you're doing. You have to use emotion differently and specifically in singing in order to create, create it for the consumer and not for yourself. Um, and that's hard because you do want to just let go, but that's for the shower. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not for, you know, that's not for a stage. The public. Yeah. It's not for public consumption. You know, public consumption, the things that, that, that they get to hear, they get to hear the thing that is both raw and refined. And the way that it is raw is through, you know, specific choices. I think that's, that's for me when I've, when I've been the most touched by, by artists. And when I feel the most honest in my portrayal, it's when, oh, I have channeled what this composer wanted, you know? And I think, you know, when it comes to visual art, it's like, oh, I've, I've channeled whatever this muse has been telling me. Like, this is it. This is honest. This is real. Pure. Yeah. One pipe, one voice. <laughs> I love that. I love that line. And I love saving for the shower. <laughs> That's yep. what the shower is for. When the moon hits your eye, you know, except I don't know why I went Irish instead of Italian. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Brilliant. Ladies. Okay. I'm going to put that up on my wall in my studio. Save it for the shower. Save it for the shower. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. Like, what does that mean? I'll be like, you know if you know. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know, maybe you're not an artist. No. <laughs> Seriously, but your medium, it seems like the shower would be the least inviting place to yeah. take what you do, Jackie. <laughs> no, but I'm going to use it as a metaphor. Paint. For me, it's a metaphor, right? Like, it's a right, reminder. Right, right that certain things are for certain places like right but like when we show up for our craft like that's a different situation yeah, yeah. so i mean i think that's what it means to me in my yeah. like yeah so um yeah no i can't like go and like take like bathtub crayons i could <laughs> yeah different medium though you know it's just different Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah times and seasons 